Hey, welcome to Pod of Mercy. I am your host, Long Hair Linda, and today's special guest co-host is... Hi, it's Nathan again. Hey, I should say returning guest. I don't even think you're a guest co-host now, you're just co-host. <laughs> <laughs> I need to stop saying that for you. How are you doing today, Nathan? You well? I'm not, I'm not too bad. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm looking forward to getting into season yes. three of Mr. Robot. So, um... I mean, we're going to talk about the episodes individually, but did you have anything, any bits that you wanted to kind of say ahead of the summarization or the summation of each episode? Any bits, any thoughts that you There's had initially? Nothing off the top of my head. Um, okay. The main thing just being like, what a vast improvement it is off the bat over season two. Like just, just in terms of pacing everything. That's the main, that's the only main thing I've got to say about it very very fast paced um and yeah a lot just a lot happening so we're gonna do what we normally do listeners we are going to split it into two separate episodes so for this episode we will talk about episodes one two five because this is a slightly shorter season season three there are only 10 episodes overall so we'll do one to five today and we will do five uh, six to ten next wednesday so should we get into it then nathan Yes, let's go. Sick. All right. So if you remember, coming off the back of season two, Elliot was shot by Tyrell Wellick at the end and uh, drama. So <laughs> episode one, we open up in a diner where there's a guy that's arguing with a cashier. A cashier? Cashier. Cashier, yeah. Cashier. Why did I say cashier? Is that just a fancy cashier? Okay. Well, so uh, this person's arguing with the cashier about the principle of some kind of offer. Someone calls and the guy asks, is he dead? Then tells the cashier, when we lose our principles, we invite chaos. So before leaving uh, and heading to the warehouse where Elliot is bleeding out on the floor. So this guy appears to be some kind of fixer for the Dark Army. And he organises the surgery for Elliot and then gets um gets Angela's name he writes down Angela's name on his palm while he's on the phone to somebody else we cut away to Jung aka White Rose but right now presenting as Jung and Jung talks about Elliot dying after completing his work for them just like Elliot's father I thought that was so so significant um when he's talking to I think his assistant Mm. is it his assistant personal assistant I I think so yeah I I don't recall if it's the same person from like the previous series it probably is that they're, they're like it's just one of those things i just never really took notice of because most of his like significant scenes are with price anyway that's true that's but true. i think this assistant's kind of in there for most of this season anyway yeah he does appear a few times and in, in yeah. at least what i've seen so far so uh, yeah, I thought it was really interesting that he was talking about Elliot getting what he needs to get done for them and then dying just like Elliot's dad, like, because, you know, Elliot's dad was on whatever special project was happening at the Washington Township, mm. which is the reason he ended up getting sick anyway. So, yeah, I thought that was um, some pretty nice writing. So Elliot wakes up to find Angela sitting with him and realises that everything that happened in the warehouse was in fact real and that Angela is now involved with a dark army because of him. So Darlene and Elliot meet up for the first time. So this is when Elliot has, you know, fully recovered, I guess, at this point from, you know, the shooting and the surgery. 
And it felt like they'd not met up in a while with Darlene. I feel like Darlene and Elliot haven't seen each other in quite some time because Darlene is then kind of filling him in on the fact that Cisco is now dead and that the Dark Army has turned on Cisco and that she's going to be next. She said that she had been with the FBI this whole time. But she doesn't tell him what's that, you know, she's kind of helping them. She mm. that she's being questioned by the FBI at this point. So she presses him for some information on stage two of the plan. And Elliot lets Darlene know about the uh, plan to blow up the E-Corp facility. And um, obviously Darlene is shocked and is, is shocked, you know, to find out that he would be willing to kill so many people. And Elliot yells that it wasn't him. He wants to stop the plan by closing the back door, but they have no internet access where they are. It looks like they're at Elliot's place at this point. So because the, apparently the internet has been down for days, according to Darlene. So Darlene takes him to this underground bar thing that turns out to be a hacker space. There's this really, really cool moment where Darlene kind of leaves him to his own devices for a second and he's walking through the crowd and he tells so when he's talking to us he tells us that he wishes he could mute real life mm. and then the iphone volume graphic appears on the screen and the very loud bar that he's in becomes muted and it kind of shows the mute symbol on the graphic and then all you can hear though is like just elliot's footsteps as he's walking through the bar then because darlene kind of calls him and is trying to get his attention the volume button moves up like step by step and then it comes up to full volume when Darlene's like starting to talk to him, which I just thought was so cool how mm. they did that. It's very simple, but very, very cool. It's, I say one, of those, it's one of those flourishes they have in the show that like makes it really unique, that, that kind of thing. Because any any other show would milk that. Yeah. It, it would use that almost every episode. It's such a rarity with the show doing anything like that, that when it, it stands out and it's used effectively. Definitely. And I, and I'd say that it's simple as in it's simple in this, in the sense of like the, the graphic was literally just an iPhone volume graphic. It's not like it was anything overly CGI, but mm. obviously it wasn't simple because, you know, there was the whole footstep sound yeah. and then the, there was a lot I'm sure that went yeah. into that. So I don't very, want to minimize it. It was very in character as well. Like I quite liked it. Was, it was a very in character thing for Elliot to do. Mm -hmm. Obviously like being the person who's showing us all this, it's, he's got control over the narrative to show us whatever he wants to show us, doesn't he? So like in, in the show, it made, it makes sense for him to be able to do something like that. He did it last season as well, didn't he? Where he said he wishes that everyone would wear labels of what, like what their, what's the thing called? What did he used to call it? Oh, I forget what he called it. The, the, your individual thing, like your insecurity, but he had a word, yes. he had an IT yeah. word for it. I can't remember what it was now, but. And, and then everyone started wearing a label saying I'm this and I'm that, like whatever their insecurities were. I wish I could remember the phrase that he used. But anyway, yes, it is very, very on brand for Elliot. So um, Darlene is clearly not handling this whole dark army situation very well at all. I mean, not surprising. She has just seen Cisco, his head being blown off and then she was with the FBI all this time. So there's a lot going on. She's clearly scared out of her mind and Elliot is surprisingly very calm. I mean, he's usually eerily calm, but not, he still freaks out, but he's just not mm. freaking out right now, which I find weird. Anyway, Darlene starts making this crying phone call in the bathroom asking for help. I don't actually know who she called, 
but um, Elliot's busy hacking. Uh, he's hacking the back door to hijack their domain and shut down the Dark Army's access. When two men appear with Darlene, turn off the computer that he's working on and take them outside where they're directed to a taxi being driven by the fixer guy from the start of the episode. So this fixer guy, we find out later his name is Irvin, but that I didn't realise that until episode mm. five. I don't know if that's just the first time they said it or if I wasn't paying I enough think, attention. I don't think they so much say it. I know it's in episode three, it's in the background because you kind of, from little bits in, I think it's in his first scene, you kind of pick up the idea that he he worked at a car dealership because the car he gets into at the beginning has got like the big sale now on sticker in it. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, he's such a great character. I love Irving, right. he's no, so he's good. He's, he's really, really good. I mean, I like the actor anyway, but he's a, mm. the character's great. The character's really good. So um, the fixer, Irvin, tells them to get in and they're being followed by the FBI. So this was a very, very cool scene because Irvin mm. reports the FBI's vehicle tailing them to the police with the VIN number, um, which he got from Darlene. Uh, he, he asked Darlene to look up the license plate, which, you know, thanks to Elliot's eidetic memory, he had straight away. Um, so Darlene looked up the license plate on this NYPD motor vehicle lookup thing on his, uh, this tool thing on his laptop. And they get the VIN number. Irvin gives the police the VIN number. He gives a, he gives fake credentials. He says he's, de- or possibly real credentials, who even knows, but he's detective, whoever, and gives a badge number and says, um, yeah, you know, there's this, uh, vehicle that's been reported stolen they're driving erratically and in this blackout they might hit pedestrians they're driving crazy i need a slowdown uh gives them the vin number and the police are able to slow down the car as in shut it off like just shut Mm. off the engine and i was like because i know that with like some of the newer cars insurance companies can do that i did not know the police could do that did you i wasn't aware either because I know, like, smart cars, they, they can be shut down remotely anyway. Like, because I've seen um, a video regarding, like, hacking them. But um, I didn't know, it. like, That's the police... smart cars. But there's, like, the newer smart cars car, that yeah, have, yeah. like... The, the newer cars, which all have some kind of ingrained thing in there. Mm. What do you call it? What's that thing? The um, ECU, I think. Is it ECU? Because you can do, like, ECU remapping or whatever. Yeah, ECU. Not too sure. There's all that kind of like, and I know that there's with all the newer cars because of just how much technology and, and how much it relies on other things, it mm. can be shut off. But I thought it was just insurance companies. I had no idea the police could do that. No, I, it's it's one of those things that like I, I quite like these little factoids you get from the show because like that's something I would never have considered. It makes sense they'd be able to do something like that, but uh, it's I I really like that detail. Yeah, that kind of blew me, like, it threw me for a loop for a bit there. But yeah, so that was pretty cool. Anyway, Irvin takes them for barbecue. And Elliot basically says that he's done. He wants to put a stop to everything. He's now, you know, he's gone into a tailspin at this point. Elliot's blaming the world's events on himself. He's, you know, questioning how you know how we give up our privacy for security. There's this really cool montage of uh, Trump and Theresa May um just all of these kind of news and and press conference shots which fantastic as always with this show um 
Ellie goes to Angela and asks her to get him a job at E Corp so that he can try and fix what he's done. He asks her to keep an eye on him and to let him know when he's him, quote unquote, and that she knows him better than anyone else. He trusts her and if anyone can tell when he's him, it's her. Elliot then kisses Angela and she stops him and says that the earlier kiss on the subway was a mistake. So if you remember last season, had a bit of a kissy kissy on the subway. So Elliot does this. <laughs> Elliot talks to us and kind of triggers me a little bit and says that um, she only loves the ones that don't love her and that that's her power saver mode, which was an interesting term. I love how every human emotion or reaction is always related to some kind of programming term with him. Mm. I, I just thoroughly enjoy that. But um, yeah, that's her power saver mode. So Angela asks Elliot what he would sacrifice to take everything back and put it all back to how it was, even before what happened to their parents. When Elliot asks her how, Angela says, you know what, never mind, she's tired. She asks him to stay the night to make her feel safe and goes to bed. We then cut to Angela waking up abruptly in the middle of the night and she finds Mr. Robot. Now, it was very cool how this happened because we went straight to Christian Slater in terms of what we saw. Mm. So it felt really weird for a second for me. Anyway, I can't speak for anyone else, but when I was watching it, I was like, hold on, why can she just see him like that? And then I realized it's because she can tell when Elliot is Elliot and when Elliot is Mr. Robot. Anyway, she tells Mr. Robot that she needs to get dressed and then they'll go. Mr. Robot asks Angela whether she managed to convince Elliot that stage two was over and that they should loop in Darlene. Angela says no to looping in Darlene as Darlene helped Elliot to close the back door. Angela is eerily calm with all of this and it's freaking me out but she reveals that she can tell the difference between Elliot and Mr Robot by his eyes. Mr Robot is never trying to look away. Come again. She did what? The back door is closed? Yes. Why are you so calm about this? We're gonna find a way to get back on the network. Is that all? We'll be fine. This isn't about the back door, it's about him. Anything we do, he will try to slow us down. As long as he exists, he will stop us. Then we'll find a way to redirect his energy. Come on, you're expecting us. What's that for? In case Elliot comes back. How can you tell that it's me? How do you know that you're not talking to him right now? Your eyes. You're never trying to look away. Very interesting detail there. Mm. So, Mr. Robot and Angela meet Irvin. So Irvin isn't happy that Elliot was looking at him like they'd never met before earlier on when they went to get barbecue and wants confirmation that he is good to go. Angela was brought in by the Dark Army to manage Elliot and they meet Tyrell. 
Tyrell was heartbroken, he's super apologetic about shooting Elliot, but obviously this is Mr. Robot now and he's just really like flippant about the whole thing and was just like, you need to have better aim because you missed every vital organ. It's just like, what? Anyway, so Mr. Robot ends up going back to work or gets to work with the whole, you know, hacking stuff. I'll pretend like I understand what's going on. Um, so on the bus back from this little meeting, Mr. Robot asks Angela what's in it for her. She tells him they're not friends and that she won't talk to him the way that she talks to Elliot. They do a really, really cool split screen thingy bobby where like one scene it's Christian Slater and they cut out and then it comes back and it's Rami, Rami Malek. So it was really, really beautiful done. I really enjoyed how they did that. Um, anyway, Mr. Elliot wants them to trust each other and says that he doesn't trust Angela right now. She reveals that she's doing this because Evil Corp killed her mum. She actually says Evil Corp, by the way, notice that. She didn't say E Corp, which they never say Evil Corp with Mr. Robot, do they? I thought it was just Elliot Ooh, they did that with. I'm not too sure because we haven't really seen, we haven't seen him acting outside of anything related to Elliot where he's fully in control. That's true. Yeah, because we always knew there were moments where he was fully in control because those were the gaps in Elliot's memory, but we've never mm. seen him just be in control. You're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, well, anyway, so Angela says evil cop. And um, anyway, so she says that her whole life she wanted justice for her mum's death. But how do you bring justice to a conglomerate like Evil Corp? She thought she'd never win, even after finding out about Mr. Robot's plan. And it wasn't until she met White Rose that she could see how all the damage Evil Corp had caused could finally be undone. When we succeed, a new world will begin, she says. Um, then there's this really, really, so they're on this bus, right? And the camera cuts mm. where there's this beautiful shot of the power coming back on, because, you know, there's been all these rolling blackouts. The power's coming back on uh, down the street as the bus is driving. And it's like each lamppost that the, dry, the, the bus drives by, it turns on as they go down the street. It was very Billie Jean, but with a bus. Yeah. Basically. And that is how episode one ended. So, Nathan, thoughts on episode one? So it's obviously it's setting up, it's kind of finishing off a couple of plot lines from previous season, but setting up some more stuff. I'm I'm enjoying Angela a lot more this season. Like she's kind of she has a bit more of a plot line than she did last time. Like she's now kind of very after a conversation with White Rose, she's very much bought into White Rose's kind of ideology. So like with the whole thing of um, saying about wanting to bring back their parents and everything, that there is a way they can do that. She's She's got a focus goal that she wants to follow in, in regards to that. Um, introduction of like Irving is great. Like I, I like him as um, kind of like a kind of a villain in a way. Um, and the, the episode is just setting up really great stuff so far. Like the scene of um, the capture flag pie, I, I always like these all like, glimpses into hacker culture that we get yeah so like you like something like that i would never have i would have never like considered before like i think he called it a capture the flag party so i think they're trying to like hack something specific first i can't remember exactly what it was they were doing but i, I yeah i've just got nothing but praises for it to be honest 
it was it's pretty damn good wasn't it mm. um i really enjoyed episode one i thought a lot was going on but it was quite easy to follow considering the show that we're watching mm. um and then and who is watching it i.e me and yeah I, I get what you're saying about angela she's a lot more i won't say more likable but i will say that i hate her less <laughs> so there's progress right yeah that's um, that's progressive move in the right direction really it is it's going in the right direction i hate her yeah. less than i did last season because i really really just was so over her last season but yeah no i i can i can stomach her now which is good so mm. yes we, we we clearly are not privy to whatever white rose enlightened her with during their no. meeting because we saw their meeting we saw parts of the conversation but we clearly have missed something it's something that's changed her for definite yes since that scene there's been very much a change in her like from like way back in season two a huge shift in her mannerisms as well in you know just her determination to see through this plan and to make sure that it gets done to a point where it's like weird but mm. interesting like interestingly weird like i want to know what i want to know what she's going to do i want to know what she saw i want to know what ideal ideology she's bought into yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to finding out more about that which again has added to why i despise her less mm. so there was okay. two other moments that could have stood out a little bit right so obviously for a bit of the episode elliot is kind of convinced that potentially the bullet he didn't die but mr robot did because he's not seen him. And I think this is really setting up the whole thing of Mr. Robot taking over when Elliot's asleep instead of being more at the forefront like he used to be, kind of like watching over his shoulder. He's mm-hmm. just assumed full control of him. Um, but I quite like that when he's mentioning about this, I think I think it's in this episode, he has like a very Mr. Robot-style rant. Might be the Irving. next episode. But no, uh, not Irving, um, Elliot. Elliot likes Mark mentions about how like Miss he hasn't seen Mr. Robot for a bit. So he assumes maybe the bullet killed him. But I think during that scene as well, he's walking down the street and he has like a very Mr. Robot styled rant. Very similar oh, to like the it might be the next one. I remember making a note of it, but maybe I can't see it on my notes. Two. Maybe it's two because hmm. there was a lot more. Was it because it's they... episode two? I think episode two was my favourite. Even though five had a lot going on, but I think episode two was my favorite just because of what happened and it was mental. Yeah. So fuck it, let's get into episode two. Yes. We'll figure it out. We'll figure out when we, <laughs> when Elliot did whatever the hell he did. <laughs> okay, so at the start of episode two, we find out that Elliot has started his new job at Evil Corp. It is his first day, and he is back to his old tricks and basically hacks everyone, which was uh, which led to. A sequence of very very funny scenes for me personally because he was just like revealing all these people shit and like they were just cutting from person to person who's like talking to him in meetings and he's just telling us all this random shit that they're up to which was fun it gave me season one vibes which was which was cool um but elliot is feeling sad again outside of work he asks us why he feels this empty void the zoloft that he's taking isn't helping um, he's back with Krista, who is now working from her home office. Turns out it's Elliot's birthday today, and he totally forgot. Elliot tells Krista that not talking to Darlene has stopped Mr. Robot coming out. Krista asks if he misses Mr. Robot, and he says he misses being part of something important. Oh my god, and now we get to probably my favourite <laughs> character of the show, Joanna Wellick. 
is being interviewed on a TV show about Scott Knowles facing charges for murdering his wife. Now, this guy, which was confirmed later, um, was giving me, or at least to me, was giving me right wing talking head type of guy. But because Alex he wasn't Jones kind of style thing. Yes, but because he wasn't talking about anything political, I was like, mm, maybe it won't be. Maybe he is just you know. But he was giving me pundit vibes, and so I was very happy to see in season in episode five that I was right about that. But we'll get there. <laughs> um, so Joanna is maintaining Tyrell's innocence and says that he's the only man that she's ever loved and the only man that she will ever love. Now, here's the thing. There was a lot said in that interview, and I purposely wrote this down even before I knew what, what was coming. There was a reason I wrote that particular phrase down and not all the other stuff that she says and didn't leave mm. it out like the other stuff that she said. And this is why on the way home, the news on the radio announces F Society has a new video. We cut to the video saying F Society has something else in store. It cuts to Darlene and the FBI. Turns out that uh, she's now a CHS, which is a confidential something source. What was the H? Human. Confidential human source, which I thought was very funny. Uh, Darlene says the guy in the video is not one of her guys and that Elliot doesn't have a relationship with Tyrell. The FBI is clearly convinced that all roads lead to Tyrell and Dom plays Darlene a tape of the phone call that Tyrell made to Elliot in prison. You know, when he says, bonsoir, Elliot. Um, anyway, we cut back to Joanna Wellick. <laughs> so this is the scene. So Joanna Wellick is with her driver in, in the car and... The driver keeps looking at uh, the car behind him like it's tailing them. So he stops, he gets out and he confronts the driver who turns out to be Joanna's bartender boyfriend. So guys, if you remember, quick reminder, Joanna's been dating this younger guy, or I say dating, it's not really, I've been having sex with this younger guy and turns out that he was a bartender on the night of the party where Scott Knowles' wife was killed by Tyrell. We know that he was killed by Tyrell. The police assumed that she was killed by Tyrell as well. And... Um, Everyone basically knows Tyrell did it at this point. What she managed to do, though, was stir up Scott Knowles into a frenzy, get him to beat her up. <laughs> she then goes and cries to her quote unquote boyfriend and manages to convince the boyfriend to go to the police and say that he saw Scott Knowles coming down the back stairs, which are the only stairs that lead to the roof where his wife's body was found. So it basically frames Scott Knowles for the murder. So with that in mind, um, it looks like she's just dumped him as soon as uh, he lied for her. And obviously he has seen what she said on TV about Tyrell being the only person that she, she will and has ever loved. So it was funny that I wrote that particular thing down because that leads to this scene. Um, so yeah, he's angry. He's threatening to retract his statement. The driver basically threatens his life and tells him to move on as he'll never see Joanna again. The driver starts choking him as he was basically threatening him. Um, lets him go, gets back in the car. Joanna asks if everything is under control. As the driver says, yes, it is. The boyfriend appears by the driver's side window and shoots the driver. Joanna tries to get the driver's gun from his belt. By the way, can I just say, Joanna's in the back seat with the baby. So the baby is now crying at the sound of the gunshot because of course, loud noises. And um, Joanna's trying to get the driver's gun out of his waist belt. And as she manages to pull the gun out, kind of, she doesn't really, but she's almost got it out. 
The boyfriend shoots her in the head. And I've got to say, I did not expect that. Mm. I, I was shocked. Like, I was shocked watching it again, like, because I'd, I'd kind of fate, like, there's a lot of things that I've forgotten about, other than, like, key big things. That was one of, one of the ones I'd forgotten about. And I remember, like, I tried to remember the guy's name just, yeah. be- just before I he showed up. Brad or something like that, I don't know. Derek. I, I had to Derek. go back through my notes to find it, but I was like, oh, I wonder what that guy's name was. Because I also point, like, thought about how she said she's not getting divorced anymore. He's the only man she's ever loved. And I yeah. like that kind of clicked in my head. I thought significant as fuck. Yeah, like that's a that's very like that seems inconsequential, but significant at the same time. Mm-hmm. It was just like, okay, where's that gonna lead? <laughs> and I've got to say I audibly gasped. Like I mm. I did not expect that. I wasn't that shocked when he shot the driver. I mean, I obviously wasn't expecting him to be there, but shooting her in the head like that was mad so anyway he's looking at his gun and i assumed that he was just going to turn the gun on himself Mm. and before he even has a chance to do that if that's what he was going to do the driver has apparently regained uh, consciousness at this point pulls out his gun from the waist thingy that he was trying that joanna was trying to get it out of before her untimely demise and um shoots him dead so we cut to a very 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 dead joanna (laughs) just in case we weren't sure with the headshot uh we got to a scene of her in the morgue with a fucking brain cut open which like, was a bit like d- definitely at that point yeah definitely dead we get it guys we get it um dom is there with her partner uh her, her fbi partner and says um well, what does she say she says some kind of she she basically says that joanna's dead the boyfriend's dead the driver's in surgery the baby's going to social services and I don't know if I like that ending for her. Mm. I have to be honest. Like, I get what it was supposed to do, and the, I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm if I'm satisfied with uh, yeah, my favorite character going out like that. I I kind of it's it's one of those ones where like I'm on the fence because I like those kind of inconsequential things where like a kind of not a perfectly human normal thing to happen happens, but like where something happens that. You don't really see it coming, but it's actually not related to the whole story as a whole. So, like, her dying, that's significant, because obviously they're looking for her husband right now. But she's been killed inconsequentially, unrelated to anything he was doing. She's just been killed by a jealous guy. You know, it's like it's like how Gid- yeah. like Gideon last season was oh, just shot. Was, yeah, and, that's true. Yeah. Like very inconsequentially, he's just shot by someone who didn't like thought he was a crisis actor. That's true. They're not dying because of the five nine attacks. They're mm. dying for other things that are related but aren't. Like yeah, the- showing kind of like the like innocent people being affected by by like the whole whole situation, but also you can't directly blame any of that on the five nine hacker on any of Elliot or anyone else's action. Well, you, I guess you, you, yeah. Mm. Okay, you, you can blame, you can blame Gideon's death on the five nine thing because yeah, oh, yeah, 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 that crisis actor yeah. wouldn't have a re, or the whole crisis actor thing wouldn't have come up in terms of because they needed the attack for that to happen, but Tyrell killed, was it Sarah? Her name? Tyrell killed Sarah Knowles before the five nine attack. So mm. if joanna wanted to 
Joanna did all of this because she wanted to get to clear his name. Yeah. So I feel like she would have done it. And although, no, to be fair, Tyrell probably wouldn't have been gone for this long if it wasn't for Five Nine. Because the whole reason he's mm. been MIA is because of Five Nine, is because he's the most wanted man on the planet right now. Because they're blaming Five Nine on him. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Even though the police were trying to question him about the murder, I feel like that kind of just went to the wayside when, when the whole world crumbled and everyone was now looking for him because of five nine so yeah. i guess it is yeah it is all to do with five damn yeah i just i don't know man i didn't like that ending for her i wanted better for her no yeah no okay it's no, like um i can't think of an example without giving more spoilers you've seen the wire have i seen the wire of course yeah it's like, it's like i mean a um, long time ago so i might not like remember omar everything. it's like omar on the wire Yes. Yeah. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to like trivialize it. I don't want to yeah. make it sound like it wasn't a like a. Um. It did what it was supposed to do. It was supposed yeah. to shock us, yeah. right? It was supposed to be. Oh my god! What the hell? And so it did that. So it's not like it was a. You know, like a Cersei's death in Game mm. of Thrones. It wasn't that, but it was still a little bit like. Oh, I wanted. I wanted more for her. I wanted something more spectacular for her i guess i don't know whatever anyway she's dead <laughs> so there goes my favorite character um don believes that darlene was telling the truth about that uh, f society video by the way that uh, it's not a real f society guy in the video um just by the by they were talking in the autopsy so i thought let me mm. make a note of that it might be scary. yeah they're zeroing in on whoever it was they've got like some yes some sort of track on him anyway they do indeed. So uh, in the meantime, Darlene meets with Elliot and says that she wants to wish him a happy birthday. He tells her that she's his trigger. That's all I wrote about that because there was some other stuff being said, but I didn't really find them to be particularly useful to write down. So we're moving on. If you want to know more, guys, you should be watching the show by now, surely. Um, okay, Philip Price is giving a speech and says that China has declared a currency war by backing Bitcoin and not eCoin, I think is the point he was trying to make. I don't know. Sometimes when Philip Price talks, I kind of zone out a little bit and I can't help it. I tried to pay attention, but it's... There's a lot of kind of technical... I don't know if you're supposed to fully understand everything they're talking about, but it does like kind of highlight how powerful a person he is in yeah, society. I think... I don't understand him half the time. It's like going on about UN votes and annexing the Congo and stuff like that. I'm just like, see, that's that stuff I understand though. But it's this when it comes to the power plays that he's doing mm. with the currency, I just kind of tune out. I'm just like, oh, I don't, whatever. Um, anyway, so Jung meets him after the uh, after the little speech. Little speech. It was a whole massive thing. You know what I mean? I'm not trivializing anything. It's just how I speak. Jung meets with him afterwards and tells Philip that he doesn't give a fuck about his accord because I don't understand the accord thing. I think that's what it is. Something to do with the accord and the e-coin, that stuff I don't understand. But I do understand the whole UN vote thing. He just wants his UN vote before the Chinese government can agree to his terms. So basically, um, a number of countries, the superpowers, the people that have decided they're the superpowers at the UN, have to all be in agreement for China to be able to annex the Congo. And the US is obviously one of those superpowers. It's like the US the UK, France, uh, and somewhere else, I can't remember, but it's like five countries basically that they all have to be in agreement, otherwise China cannot annex the Congo, which basically means colonise them. Um, Philip threatens to stop Zhang's UN vote, um, as in take away the US's vote, because that's how much power he has. He literally runs a conglomerate 
but he has the power to influence the government's vote at the UN, which is wild, um, but very true to life. So uh, Jung basically hits back about the Washington Township and how he's met with Angela. I was again, very confused here. It was a power play, says he knows what he likes. He can see what he likes about Angela, the doe-eyed thing. I don't know what the threat was there though. Like, I don't know if he was threatening that he would do something to Angela or that he would reveal something to Angela. I don't know. I was confused. It was a lot of powerful man threatening speech yeah, that I just don't I, get. I interpreted it as that he was threatening Angela, but to try and get a rise out of price. Because obviously you can kind of see from like how he's taken under his wing, he sees something in her. So it's, I think like, Jang Jung, I can never pronounce it properly. Yeah. Um, he he's kind of he's no he's somehow noticed this and he he's he, he's trying to goad him. Yeah, he's definitely trying to goad yeah. him. I just couldn't figure out. I think it was a threat against against Angela. Angela. Okay. So back to Darlene, and uh, she's staying at Elliot's, and he catches her snooping around her computer in the middle of the night. Turns out it's Mr. Robot and not Elliot. Um, or at this point, it was maybe Mr. Robot had popped out temporarily. I don't know. Um, but he popped out again at Elliot's session with Krista in an incredibly intense scene. Elliot? You should know that nothing's gonna come from this. We were doing just fine. It's nice to finally meet you. This was better when I could just come and go as I pleased. When we were whole. Now I'm seeing things that he should be seeing too. We're just getting torn apart. You need to leave us alone so I can get him back to our work. told me how attractive you are. You know, for a shrink, you're uh, pretty foxy. Thank you, but I'm more interested in talking about you. Come on. Never thought about it? Getting with one of your patients? That would cross some ethical boundaries for me. Sucks for you. Everybody knows crazy can be sexy. So you think you're crazy? Relax. It's a figure of speech. Can I ask for your name? Now, what does he call me? Mr. Robot. <laughs> Seriously? Still calls me that? Talk about labels. I'd like to talk about why you're here. A civilization which leaves so many of its citizens unsatisfied and drives them into revolt either has nor deserves the prospect of a lasting existence. Who said that? Freud. and smart sorry as beautiful as you are you're not getting inside my head why not because before you found out about me we were good i'm trying to help him you're not trying to help him you're trying to destroy me i'm not trying to destroy you quite the opposite actually i want to understand you you understand shit 
You're just another phony coos playing friend. It doesn't matter anymore anyway, because of her and compromise. She compromised us, and Elliot didn't see it. What do you mean you've been compromised? That scene was shot really well. I enjoyed that. Mm. The robot gave one of his, you know, usual long speeches. Um, I'm enjoying this kind of thing now as well, where they've gotten more confident because we know what's going on with Mr. Robot. We know what his whole deal is. They're willing for him to come out more to the forefront and actually interact with people. Yeah. Like and, it happens and... a lot this season. It's so, it's, it just builds so much more on like, not mythology, but like on who he is and how people interact with him. That was always one of the weird things with season one was when Elliot's doing things, what are people seeing? Yeah, and I and I gotta say I love that not only is Mr. Robot interacting with people directly now, I love that they know it's him. Mm. Like they know it's not Elliot, which I really enjoy because they're treating him as if it's not Elliot as well, which just kind of it's just very interesting and very different to what was happening in season mm. one and even most of season two. So. Elliot is freaking out on the way home from Christa's and wondering if we saw what Mr. Robot did and he's wondering what happened. At home, the bastard Michael Hansen is waiting for him with his dog, wanting to know how Elliot gets so lucky even when the world is going to shit. Michael says he never gave a shit about the dog, it was about the principal. The uh, dog is sick and his vet bills are through the roof. Uh, he's shitting all over his house and he basically wants the dog to shit all over Elliot's house instead and gives him the dog. Inside, Elliot gets Flipper, the dog, uh, sets him up with, with some water and gets to hacking. It looks like he sent some kind of encrypted email and it cuts to Darlene who's sitting with Dom. It looks like Darlene managed to set up some kind of mirroring bug before Elliot slash Mr. Robot caught her. We then cut to the safe house. So it's this weird kind of safe house situation where we've got the FBI, I've got this... Um, kind of I guess it looks like where you have those big houses you tend to see them in like London or other cities like that these big big houses that have been converted into two flats you've got like a basement flat and uh an up and a ground floor flat I guess so it looks like the FBI have got one of those as a safe house and it's split into two apartments so they're in the top one and Darlene is in the bottom one mm. so um they're at the safe house in the FBI bit, the upstairs bit, and Dom comes back. Dom is in there with the um, her partner. Would you know his name? I, I had a look into this one as well. They don't say his name. and They do this a lot where they don't really introduce characters to you. Okay. I'm obviously, glad sometime, just... Sometimes it's not needed, is it? Like, obviously, like, it's, it's like exposition where everybody in the scene that would need to know the person's name already knows the person's name so there's no need for us as the audience to be told for her to go oh norm or say his name in a sentence with whatever reason so but his name's norm anyway <laughs> i had to look into name's it i'm norm. trying to figure out what i recognize him from as well because he looks familiar oh he's like, in a bunch of stuff him. yeah i've seen him in stuff before but i can't for life me think what it is so um yeah so that we we're in the safe house with the the upstairs safe house and norm is um sitting there on his surveillance stuff and dom walks in saying that certain shops are now only taking e-coin i made a note of that because it felt important um 
So on one of the live surveillance cameras, Dom and Norm see Elliot breaking into Darlene's place, which is, you know, the downstairs bit, and somewhere that Elliot doesn't actually know about, he's not supposed to. So it seems like Elliot knew that Darlene had managed to do something to his computer, and Dom realises that he sent that email to find out who would be tracking it, that encrypted email. Dun, dun, dun. And that's how episode two ends. Now, what's funny to me is that it was Mr. Robot that caught her, but that Elliot is the one that figured it out and broke in. That was explained in a later episode, but it was bugging me this whole time. Hmm. It's one of those things that I didn't really think about that until you just mentioned it now I just kind of thought it was like a normal thing but he meant like yeah because obviously I think at that point we don't know that he has no memory of when Mr Robot comes out oh I know that because we know that because we just have never seen Mr Robot yeah. like this, but we know he doesn't remember when Mr Robot does stuff because he's never in with the, on the plan mm. well, I mean more so in this series in, in this series like they're making it more and more apparent aren't they? They're like Mr. Robot. It's pretty... been that way since season one. Season one, I suppose, he yeah. met F Society for the first time, yeah. not realising he put F Society together with Darlene. He tried to kiss Darlene because he didn't remember that's his sister. Maybe I don't pay enough attention. <laughs> he does not have good memory, this guy. <laughs> he doesn't know what's going on. I, I, can, I can relate to that at the moment, you know? <laughs> Um, and that, yeah, so that's how season, uh, sorry, ep- I want to say season all the time. That's how episode two ends. So, Nathan, thoughts? So, again, it's the, the show's moving at such a good pace. Like, everything is just, like, there's no wasted seconds in it. It's back to that kind of season one thing of everything has a purpose. Like, we had Frank Cody set up. I don't know if he's shown up previously in the show feels like one of those things that might have been like a background thing um but uh, the right wing pundit guy the alex jones ah, guy yes. his his name's frank cody oh okay i had no idea um yeah he shows up in series in series two apparently huh i don't remember two? him yeah it's, yeah it's, it, was, it was the first time i was no, seeing... i think i think he's very much like a background person until now so that's quite a good like setup early on for him anyway to be um, fair that's very um it's very much on brand for a right-wing pundit because they were very much in the background until everything bubbled up with the whole trump and brexit thing and then they were everywhere yeah but um yeah i quite like that they've introduced like they've kind of set that seed for him a little bit in what feels like quite quite a throwaway scene ish like him him being there is our introduction to him as a character mm-hmm. basically but it's kind of overtaken by Joanna. So it's you don't kind of quite realise it's an introduction to him until later on when he pops up and you think, ah, oh, it's that guy. So he like, he's not just appearing out of nowhere. Um, I quite liked that little dick swinging contest that Zhang and Price had, mm-hmm. where they were just kind of, if it felt like they were just kind of levelling these kind of just baseless frets back and forth and just... And like every, everything with them, even though I don't understand most of what's happening, I I really enjoy their scenes together. I just I just love the way Price talks, like his delivery when he's talking is great. Um, as well as that, the scene of Elliot and Krista 
because I, I don't think you mentioned this, where he mentions about falling out the window. Yes, he'd never and, told her about that, about his yeah. dad pushing him, because he specifically said, my dad pushed me out of a window and kind of just said mm. it so nonchalantly. He's clearly forgetting when he's talking to us and when he's talking to Krista. Which kind of comes a bit more in play a bit later on as well. But yeah, I thought that was quite a good detail, because it's one of the things yeah. you think, well, he's like he has mentioned it, but obviously it hasn't been in front of Christus. But you would assume he would have said something. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, and then when she has a conversation with Mister Robot himself, loved that scene. Mm. And also, quite an important bit was uh, Jang wants to arrange for Stage Two to happen the day of the UN vote, regardless of the result. Like, obviously, I missed Dark, that. Yes, I mean, Dark I know that is what yes. happened, but I didn't know that, that, that he'd, he'd said that that was the plan. Yeah. It's basically Price has pissed him off enough that the plan was um, stage two wouldn't go ahead if, uh, if they got their way. But if the vote was, doesn't go in their favour, he was going to initiate stage two as like a punishment towards Price. But now because Price has pissed him off, he wants to, I think he says exactly, he wants to slap him on the hand. So he's initiating that regardless. So that's one of those things that obviously we're, I'm a, this, I can't quite remember at this point, have we, has Elliot started working towards stopping stage two? Not really. He's only just no. got his job yeah. at E-Corp. Okay. Yeah. So he's kind of in the early, early stages of it then. So yeah. So like obviously stage two is the, setting off the gas in the building and taking the building down and they want they want that to go ahead and obviously Elliot's kind of trying to stop it at the moment because he's remorseful for the effect 5-9 has had on America basically true but yeah so yeah so that, that was quite a good detail so that's obviously it doesn't really make a difference whether or not you noticed it to be honest yeah um this is definitely like a little like an easter egg show isn't it like you don't mm. you you get rewarded if you pay attention which i like yeah there's there's a lot Good of deep like it's a show that's written to kind of cover all its bases yes so like there's not a moment wasted but also there's not any opportunity for someone to go oh but what about this and be like it's explained it makes <laughs> sense yes very much so all right, you ready to get into episode three? Yes. So, My favourite episode of the season, this one was. Is it your favourite? Yes. It was a good one. I did like this one, actually, as well. My favourite might change several times throughout this episode of the show. So, <laughs> uh, episode three, we finally see what happened in the F Society arcade on the night of the hack. It was, in fact, Mr. Robot that took the gun out of the popcorn machine and he tried to shoot Tyrell, which makes sense because Elliot doesn't remember what happened. So of course, it was Mr. Robot, but, you know, whatever. So um, some kind of misfire happened when he shot Tyrell and Tyrell took it as a sign that he and Elliot are gods, because obviously at this point he thinks that that's Elliot and not Mr. Robot. And uh, that they were meant to work together to to really take down E Corp after putting a gun to... Uh, to his head Mr Robot tells Tyrell that there is a second stage of the plan and that he could actually be useful he then gives Tyrell the gun and says that he may just be the perfect type of crazy to protect him from himself 
So, Irvin, the fixer guy, he walks in as Tyrell and Mr. Robot are talking over the, uh, the they're going over the ecorps protocols for this uh, stage two thing. And he says that if they're seeing him, they know they fucked up. Turns out that he was alerted as a result of Gideon's honeypot server picking something or other up. Didn't understand, it was text speak. Irvin says that Tyrell needs to go with him as he's about to become the world's most wanted man. Did you understand what the honeypot server had to do with um, Tyrell here? So from what I remember, like, well, so the honeypot server was like the one they left in case the hackers tried to go for the e-corp servers again. Yes. And I can't remember exactly who wanted what done with it, but I think Gideon wanted it left and I think Elliot wanted it gotten rid of because then the, like, the rest of 5-9 could go ahead if it was gotten rid of. Yeah, because I, I know that um, Gideon wanted it left on because it would alert him. Them, yeah, yeah it, would, it would alert him and it would, it would point out where the attack was coming from. But obviously Elliot didn't want that on because hmm. he was... At that point, he was a willing participant in Five Nine. Yeah. But what I don't understand is how that then went back to Tyrell because I thought um, the Tyrell thing was because of Angela and not the Honeypot server. So Tyrell requested for it to be taken down. Um, when he did that, the <gasps> I think he I think Irvin mentions this if I remember right. He Irvin mentions that somebody, the person who took the request, alerted Gideon to tell him that he'd done that. And then Gideon uh, informed the FBI. Got it. Okay, that all makes sense now. Cool. Okay, so we see Jung learning about Elliot's arrest. So this is all now happening in the timeline that we were watching season two in, which is, it gets a little bit confusing, but it's just follow along with us if you can. So uh, we see Jung learning about Elliot's arrest and the subsequent sentencing. His advisor guy or personal assistant, whoever, says Elliot is crazy as he's gone to jail voluntarily by pleading guilty. Jung orders a protection for him in prison, which we now know is Leon. Um, throughout this scene, there's news footage that is playing of Donald Trump giving a speech while I think this is when he was kind of pre-running for president. He wasn't quite running for president yet. It's the, the stuff that yeah. you do beforehand to try and get the nomination. It was, it was like at the announcement of his like campaign run or something. Yeah, so it's even before he got the Republican Party nomination. Yes. It was like really, really early doors. And uh, Jung says that he wants to back him. So I thought it was a really, really interesting narrative that was being set here um, because he was calling him a puppet that would dance. Because uh, obviously the personal system was like, he's an, he's an idiot. Like, what? What are we doing here? I just thought it was a really, really interesting narrative yeah. to use in the show and to, to show that it was a powers that be that wanted him around for the purposes of chaos. And I quite liked that it showed that um, that Frank Cody guy was in Chung's pocket. Because it kind of... Oh, it, I didn't get that at all. Yeah, so he so like he has a quick meeting with another. He's like, oh, yeah, you're going back to America in a bit. Uh, you're going to basically push conspiracy theories. Oh, my God. About 5-9, which is why he starts the 5-9 uh, truther thing that gets Gideon killed. And he's also wants him to basically talk up Trump presidency. The, so it, I quite like the angle it gives that those kind of pundits are being funded by like because of course another they cause. 
of course they like it's just so obvious like that, that is what's going on in real life i love mm. that they've done that in the show and, they've and done it like that. it's it's one of those weird things that it's not the first time that the show is done where it's it's even more relevant today Which like in wild, today's day and age it's like, yeah it was happening like, at the time that trump won mm. It's like you got people like wait, what, hold you got on. Show, wait, 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 wait. 2017 it was made. Wait, I did quickly check it. When did season three air? Uh 2017. Which means it was being shot in 2016. Yeah. So it would have been And that's when Trump won. Trump was Trump yeah. was sworn in at the start of 2017, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. January yeah. 2017. So holy shit, man, this show. Oh, we love to see it. Anyway. So the Dark Army sends someone to conduct a series of questioning to confirm Tyrell's loyalty over four days after the attack. So, um, yeah, this is four days after the attack. Remember, Tyrell's now the most wanted man in the world. He went with the fixer guy, Irvin, and he's now kind of being held somewhere. So this guy comes in who's working for the Dark Army, does a similar line of question. Well, not a similar line of questioning, but similar tactics being mm. used to the child that was questioning Angela before she met White Rose last season. So uh, the difference is, this is now an old man. I love this character, this guy, by the way, not the character. Oh yeah, the so I I got really giddy because it's Vizini from uh, the Princess Bride. Oh, it is. I I was like associating with that. Like, I, it was such a surprise as you see him of all people pop up. I was thinking of what was I thinking? Oh man, I was thinking of something else he was in. I can't remember now. Damn, I can't remember now. But, he's, uh, those, he's like those that guy people, isn't he? Yeah, he really is. He's another one of those. But um. But yeah, so this is now four days after the attack and he's uh, the questioning is a little bit different for Tyrell. So he's asking, uh, you know, if he murdered Sarah Knowles, if he loves his wife, if he hates his dad, if he's ever cheated on his wife and if he'll be loyal to him. Um, as in the, the guy asking the questions, which I guess would then relate to whether he'd be loyal to the Dark Army. Mm. So after breaking Tyrell down, because he just kept answering the questions over and over and over again, Tyrell was lying his way through it and he just kept asking him until Tyrell just broke down. He was doing coke the whole time as well. So that That's again, the, this detail I just remembered. He was doing coke the whole time as well. Oh, yeah, the guy questioning. Yeah. Was doing <laughs> and there was a kettle boiling in the background. There was just yeah. so much happening. It was very strange. It was very, very strange. Sorry, I interrupted um, you there. It just came to my mind there. I was like, hang on, no, I can't forget that. No, 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 yeah, please do interrupt because there's a lot of stuff that I might not have written down that will make sense in real time. So, yeah, absolutely interrupt. Um, yeah, so anyway, Tyrell finally breaks down and he just starts answering all the questions honestly, including that he will never be loyal to the interviewer. So... The interviewer looks like he's about to give up and he kind of gives a signal to one of the Dark Army guys and Tyrell adds that he will always be loyal to Elliot though. So the Dark Army continues to set him up to start working on stage two and let him make a phone call to Elliot, which is of course the phone call that we know about. So we cut to Darlene and Cisco. So I'm assuming that this is all still happening in real time. As I was watching this, I was like, ah, we're still in the same timeline. Okay. We are not moving to present day. <laughs> so uh, I'm assuming that this is also four days after the attack. And Cisco talks to Darlene about quitting. He then gets in a car with Irvin, the fixer, who tells Cisco that Darlene is a job and that she's protected, but he isn't. And to stop caring about her. 
Cisco handed Irvin some type of hard drive, which he takes to Tyrell, who's getting more and more frustrated with being away from Elliot. It's the femtocell that they had Angela sort out. That is, it's... Um, yeah, what is that? We, I, I don't know what the femtocell is, but it's the thing that she went to... It's a thing that she hacked. They had to like talk her over the over their headset while she was hacking it. Oh, the thing that she did at the FBI building. Yeah, yeah. Ah. Okay. Okay. So, um, Tyrell was in isolation for most of the time at this safe house, except for when he gets the odd visit from Irvin. He's not supposed to leave the grounds, but at one point, we find out later it's around the time of the FBI shooting in China. Um, Tyrell leaves and think, uh, thinks for some reason that a baseball cap and sunglasses will help disguise him when he's the most wanted man in the world. So while he's out for this little walk thing, I don't know if he was actually trying to escape or if he just wanted to see I think he friends. fully was, because there was nothing keeping him there. They said that he'd be safe there, but there was no threats of if you leave, we'll go for you. So like, he was kind of given the freedom to do what he wants, but I think the general idea was Stay you go out there and yeah. you are arrested. Which, of course, you know, while he's out, he's spotted and arrested immediately by a local police officer who calls it in to um, arrange a handoff with the FBI. So just as Tyrell has dislocated his thumb to try and get out of these handcuffs in the back of the police car, the FBI shows up and um, somebody comes out and shoots the officer. Turns out it was Irvin, the fixer guy. Back at the safe house, we find out that the reason the Dark Army knew about Tyrell's arrest was because they have a man on the inside. And surprise, surprise, I said this. Go back to the last episode that we did of this. I said it was this guy, fucking Dom's boss at the FBI. He's a Dark Army plant. Yeah, I, I, I subtly tried to hint it towards you like the last episode we did because he was being very suspicious about, um, like, regarding the... Like Dom, the what oh, was it? It's the thing that got Cisco and it got the thing that got Cisco killed. But it's like he was he was purposely slowing the investigation down. But even before that, he was slowing down the um the mm. thing that happened in China and the F, with the FBI shooting. He was slowing down a bunch of stuff, and she was like losing her mind in the hospital. Yeah, he was definitely doing a lot, doing way too much. I'm surprised that they haven't cottoned on yet. To be honest, it's actually a bit you know, especially Dom. I'm surprised that she hasn't cottoned on. But anyway, I digress. So, um, um, where am I now? Oh, so um, Irvin meets with Leon, who is, is as hilarious as always. Oh, let it go. It was cool. Got to stab up a bunch of neo-Nazi motherfuckers to death. You know, not that I'm a fan of murdering and shit, because I respect life and all, but when it comes to neo-Nazis, oh shit. Not going to lie, I was kind of fun. I mean, how'd it go with Alderson? Oh, he got his papers. Should be out soon. By the way, get him laid when he gets out, man. Homeboy is down tighter than the chinchilla's asshole. Him saying that uh, Elliot needs to get laid because he's wound tighter than a chinchilla's asshole was just so funny to me. I fully had to pause and just have a good giggle with myself. So, there's these moments of comedy of the show that just work way better than they should. Yes, and I think it's because they come out of absolutely mm. nowhere when really serious shit is happening. Yeah, <laughs> Breaking Bad did it quite well as well, with like the little moments of comedy in there, because obviously the situation is 
ridiculous mm-hmm. but there's this like but like the tone of it doesn't allow for that kind of thing so it's like was it when he brings pizza to his family and like breaking bad and he throws it on the roof instead because he's pissed off like yeah definitely um the comic relief is needed in shows like this for sure mm. So uh, Leon confirms that Elliot is being released. So Irvin takes uh, Tyrell to the warehouse and um, yeah, basically says, this is where you guys are going to be working from. Gives him the, gives him back the gun that, um, that misfired and that Mr. Robot had given him and he took it off him on the night of the hang. So he then takes him to a hotel in the city that's clearly run by the Dark Army. Now, at this point, I was thinking, why couldn't he have just stayed there the whole time? Like, I know they're in the city, so it's more risky. But if this hotel was being run by the Dark Army, he could have just stayed there and not in the woods or wherever the fuck they were. But anyway, Um, so the fixer tells him that that's where he'll be staying overnight before meeting Elliot in the taxi just outside. The fixer advised him against wearing a suit. Tyrell says he, you know, he insists and he wants to look his best for Elliot, which I thought was creepy and weird. Oh yeah, if the whole Elliot Tyrell dynamic is so creepy and weird, mm. yeah, uncomfortable to say the least. And um, yeah, and so Irvin basically reminds Tyrell that he, they can't protect him in the city if he gets picked up, which I guess is the whole reason of them being in the woods. That kind of answered the question, but still, I don't know it would have just made more sense for him to be in a hotel to me but whatever so we see the beginning of the taxi scene that we had seen last season with Elliot and Tyrell but from Tyrell's perspective this time so we then cut to Elliot's surgery after being shot where an eerily calm Angela explains to Tyrell why Elliot seems like a different person sometimes and that is how episode three ends so Nathan thoughts so I have, I really enjoyed this episode. Of the five that we're meant to watch, it was my favourite of them. Of the extra one that I ended up watching, it was my second favourite. Because <laughs> of actually oh, watching episode six. Six was amazing. Oh, it's honestly the, the it's it goes up and up. The show does a hundred percent. But yeah, so it's it's nice to get this kind of filling in the gaps of like a lot of moments. So some things that. And it's not even things that could have been plot holes, but it's nice to have these little, like, just to know what Tyrell's been doing more than anything else. It's just kind of nice to have this, like, whole thing filled in, have some small gaps filled in, like the whole thing of um, the opening scene. Because uh, the directions, the location, the address that um, Irving gives Elliot while they're in the uh, arcade, is where he wakes up in Tyrell's SUV three days later. So, like, the reason he's there with the car is because Irvin made him take it there because they didn't want anyone catching Tyrell at the arcade. Yeah. And then just just those little details in there. I quite I like the whole thing with Frank Cody, even if he doesn't become a big thing. It's a nice little kind of background thing that it's got a, it's got kind of it's plausible something that could happen in reality. Like just a white a conspiracy theorist for pay. Like he's got a platform, he'll just say what you want him to say. It's not just plausible. I'd argue that it happens all the time. Yeah, it's definitely something that's commonplace. Commonplace is more the word I would use. Yeah, and then the whole the whole section of just Elliot's surgery is just grim, just sound effects wise. 
even down to like mopping up his blood afterwards. It's just the sound design on that section is just oh. Yeah, it was pretty gross. It was um, it was almost on par with the whole vomit thing from last season. I also loved how nonchalant the Santiago reveal is, like just Santiago finding out who. Um, the that's the name of the of Dom's boss. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. like so the real reveal that he's a double agent. It's like, but just oh okay. And um, that was everything. A bit more about Irving, where you find where he's like opening up to Tyrell about how his like his wife left him and took the kids, and then he's at his car sale shop in another scene. He has like his colleague loses a sale, and he's like, "Oh, it should be like me." And he just like shows him his cup, saying, "Number one dad." He's like, "You don't have kids." And they cut back to his place, and he's got like a lot of different cups with different slogans on them. So it's, he's very much a salesman, you know. He kind of it's like it's like me at work. Sometimes, obviously, I'll I'll tell a little white lie to a customer to get a, <gasps> nice. to get a sale. You know, you just be like, "Oh yeah, I use it all the time for this." Tut tut <laughs> tut tut. You got you got to relate to people. So like he's he t- very much takes his sales experience into his dark army job. Which I quite think is quite a good like he approaches it the same way he approaches his day to day job, which I thought was quite an interesting detail. I also made a note that Tyrell looked like Soul with a trim beard for some reason. Tyrell what? He looked a bit like Soul when he trimmed his beard. I don't know why <laughs> I wrote that. <laughs> you mean the rapper Soul? <laughs> yeah, I have to. I'll find the screenshot specifically that made me think it. It was like somebody doing the lighting because after that, I wrote that and then he didn't look like it again. I was like, oh, maybe I'm just overly tired at this point. Mate, I think you were just tired because I didn't see it. <laughs> And um, I also liked, like, you kind of see more about Tyrell becoming obsessed with Elliot. And I, I like this, there's this little defeated moment he has where Irving gives him the gun back from the beginning. And he mentions on how the barrel had jammed. Mm-hmm. But if Mr. Robot had fired it again, it would have taken his head clean off. And you just kind of see this small little change on Tyrell. Like it's it's like a really subtle, just a little like he his like it's like a stomach drop moment of like oh, so I'm not a god slightly. I uh, I hadn't noticed that, but good spot because I'm sure that that I mean it, that does come in handy later, and I'll mm. I'll try and remember to relate to that <laughs> <laughs> when we get there. Okay, you ready to get into episode four? Yes. So um, this actually might be my favorite. I might take I might take it back. I said it was two. It might be this one. Um, and it, again, it could change when I start talking about five. So, you know, I'm fickle. So episode four, um, the episode opens up with Darlene confronting a pickpocket on the subway. And she's clearly not coping very well at all as she confesses to this complete stranger that five nine was all her fault and that she killed a woman before putting on her sunnies casually and getting off at her stop. Um, so back to Elliot breaking into Darlene's place. So if you remember before this kind of uh, timeline episode, episode three, mm. he had sent that uh, encrypted email thing, but he'd obviously used some kind of phishing thing so that whoever tracked it, he could track them or track their location. Um, he's breaking into Darlene's place. He doesn't know it's Darlene's place. And it looks like Darlene's had her little subway moment in real time. So just before... Um, before he broke in and is actually on her way home. So 
Dom improvises and walks out of the FBI safe house uh, just above and walks right past Darlene, basically says, don't look at me, don't stop what you're doing, but just know that Elliot has broken in and he's inside. He's tracked the thing, blah, 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 plate, cool. Yeah. Um, so inside, Elliot wants to know how she has an apartment now and why she's hacking him. Darlene says she didn't hack him, that she doesn't trust him. Oh, no, Darlene says she did hack him, she doesn't trust him, and that she doesn't know whether she's talking to Elliot or Mr. Robot. So he turned on a voice protector before the conversation, so Dom's partner is obviously trying to listen in and can't hear what's being said. Um, I kind of glossed over this bit, by the way. So I th this scene answered my earlier question of how it was Mr. Robot that found Darlene, but Elliot that tracked them that knew to send that encrypted thing and elliot says to darlene that he woke up the next day and found a suspicious new bit of hardware attached to his computer so this is the whatever thing that she used to hack him so that explains how mr robot found him. yeah like, everything has like a uh, i like that it fills in a plot hole it didn't even know it had yeah because that is something that did mm. that kind of popped into my head, but I forgot about it. And then it came up again. I was like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Darlene asks whether Mr. Robot is still working with the Dark Army and Elliot says that he needs to show her something. We then cut away to Angela, who's meeting up with Irvin, the fixer. And Irvin tells her that the Dark Army have set a date of September 29th and that she needs to make sure that those two knuckleheads, i.e. Tyrell and Elliot, I think, um, are ready. She asks him if White Rose ever showed him. Doesn't say what it is, just says, has she showed you? He says, yes. She asks whether he believes in it. He says anything's possible. But I don't know what they're talking about. And I really want to know. I want to know what White Rose has shown her. Hmm. It's, it says there's a lot, like, it's not a spoiler, I think, but there's a lot about White Rose that is... It's it. She like she's one of our favorite characters now. She'll become more so that like once you learn more about. I mean, Rose, she was she she's... was my second favorite, and now that Joanna's dead, um, she is my. She's favorite. just she's just like <laughs> taking that spot by default now. Yeah, she was kind of tied. To be fair, I won't put her in second. She was tied <laughs> with Joanna. Let's say that. Um. Okay, so back to Elliot. Elliot's taken Darlene back to his place and it turns out that he's been researching and monitoring Tyrell and the Dark Army to make sure that stage two is really off and has found evidence that it's actually not. Darlene asks why he doesn't just turn them in and Elliot says that he wants to be the one that finds them as he needs to see where this leads. Darlene says blowing up people is not him and Elliot says that he can't let go of what they started. So, if you remember, there was that uh, fake F Society video. We say fake because it was F Society, but it wasn't. Darlene was saying, that's not one of my guys. Well, the FBI found him and they raided this house of somebody and this person puts on an F Society mask as he's about to get arrested. In the interrogation room, the guy who got arrested in the FBI, they call him Mr. Nori, is being questioned by Dom and her partner, who... You said was Norm? Norm, yeah. Norm, yeah. So they want to know who his leader is, whether it's Tyrell, whether it's White Rose, which I found very interesting that Dom said, but he just says F Society. Dom's partner pulls Norm. <laughs> Sorry, I've been writing Dom's partner because I didn't know his name. Norm pulls her aside afterwards and says that White Rose is a dark web mythical figure. Dom isn't 
convinced though and thinks that Mr. Nori handed his location to them on purpose. Um, Angela got Elliot to go to a corporate party. So after coming back from the work party, Elliot runs into Darlene, who appears to now be staying in Shayla's old apartment. Rest in peace, Shayla, next door. Uh, I don't know when that happened. Did that happen last season or is that just... Like... Um, no, so I can't remember exactly which episode. I don't know if it was this one or the one before last. So he basically asked her to stay and he gave her the keys so he had a spare key to share his apartment um the landlord cleaned it all out but no one ever took it because of the prices of the rent so ah. he gave her the key so that she can monitor him because he didn't want to be left on his own oh okay okay cool so um yeah they go out together to walk flipper and darlene wants to have a vengeance pact which i love uh, which is where they'd kill whoever was responsible for the other's death if they ever die elliot is in <laughs> which i just love that was that's such a great pact i want to have that kind of pact with someone nathan if i die and somebody kills me i'll fucking have will you swear to take vengeance consider it done <laughs> yes <laughs> awesome okay so at uh, Darlene's slash Shayla's, Darlene is up late working on her laptop and hears something. So she goes to her peephole and sees that Elliot is leaving his place. Uh, the camera pans away and it's 1.48 a.m. And it pans back and it's Mr. Robot, as in Christian Slater, leaving Elliot's place, which was just very nicely done. Very, very nice. And uh, Darlene follows Mr. Robot and sees that he's meeting up with Angela in a very convoluted way because it's very much subway into another subway into taxi type manoeuvres, which yeah, kind of Darlene normal, is all too familiar with. Yeah, their normal way of just avoiding any kind of capture. Exactly. Which you'd need an intricate knowledge of New York to get around like that. You would. And the fact that Darlene taught Angela how to do that last season mm. and now she's finding out that Mr. Robot is meeting up with Angela like that. Well, I, that was not lost on me. I very much enjoyed that scene, all those sequences of scenes, sequences, whatever. Um, so at the warehouse, Tyrell was pissed that Elliot has been rerouting the sh the shipments. Um, sorry, that freaked me out because they kept saying rerouting on the show, and I, it's a very annoying way that they pronounce routing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so Angela wants to discuss options and Tyrell's just freaking out. Tyrell's asking why let Elliot work at Ecorp in the first place. He was supposed to be speeding things up, not slowing them down. Now that they've got this new uh, deadline, it's just not possible. Tyrell wants to dob Elliot in basically to the Dark Army and he wants to take over as head of the operation. He's completely lost faith in Elliot and he gets into a shouting match with Mr. Robot, which ends up in a bit of a struggle between the two. And that ends up actually triggering Elliot to break through and appear. Um, so now Elliot is kind of like, there's this kind of short circuiting thing that's happening. And mm. Elliot is kind of coming through and he sees Angela and Tyrell in the same room. You had one simple directive to maintain control until the plan was executed. It doesn't work that way. There's no on off switch. Then tell me, how does it work? Because I don't even know which Elliot I'm talking to right now. How it works is I am here now. Don't forget whose operation this is. I thought you'd be a god. I loved you. But now I see how foolish I was and how inferior you are. Like a fucking cockroach. 
you messed up for the last time. I'm taking over. So no, this is no longer your operation. This is mine. Listen to me, you Swedish scum fuck. This is my revolution. I am the architect. Do you understand? The only reason you're here is because I allowed you to be. Don't forget, I could have pulled that trigger twice. <laughs> He is fucking crazy. I want him out. Out! He's unfit to run this up. You okay? Hey. Look me in the eyes and tell me that you're okay. Shit. What's happening? He's here. Angela then injects him with something and it kind of fades to black. Cut away to Darlene who's meeting Dom one-on-one -on -one at a bar. They did have a bit of a conversation but I didn't really pick up anything too like consequential to write down. Just the, the fact that they met in a bar. The only detail was that Darlene basically reveals she knows Dom's gay. Oh yeah, she did. Yeah, she yeah. Called, you know, kind that of kind right of, as well. Called, yeah. called her a rug muncher or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that um okay so tyrell tries to get uh the fixer irvin to push the deadline and he says that he's lost his partner and that they were supposed to be gods together but it's over and irvin says that he gets that him and elliot are having interpersonal issues but that they need to finish the job irvin says that he's convinced that tyrell can execute the job and that he you know he basically starts to feed his ego which is what i wanted to relate back to you mentioned uh that look in tyrell's face mm. um when when Irvin handed him back the gun, kind of yeah. made it clear that he wasn't a god because it was just a misfire and not some kind of sign that he's a deity of some kind. Um, but uh, yeah, Irvin feeds this this ego in a very um, it's giving police. I feel like if that whole detective thing wasn't real, like it really fit him. Do you know what I mean? Like he just knows how to kind of feed into what people want or need to get yeah. things done. Yeah. Which I guess is what makes him a great fixer, but you know, whatever. So uh yeah, he feeds his ego by saying that he is that he is the god. It's not that they were gods, he is the god, and he is the one that can make this happen. Tyrell goes in and says, Yep, he'll do it, but he has some conditions. The first condition is that he, his wife, and his son can leave for the Ukraine after he meets the deadline, as they don't have extradition at the Ukraine. So clearly Joanna's death hasn't been reported, and Tyrell has absolutely no idea. Um, Tyrell even asks Irvin to check in on them as Joanna has been keeping a low profile recently, which leads me to believe that the FBI and the police and everyone haven't reported that she's died, mm. um, which I guess they I, I guess they wouldn't do for the most wanted man on earth because you wouldn't want 
you wouldn't want them to know that they now no longer have ties. Yeah, I think as well, probably like because it was a shooting, it's probably like an ongoing investigation until it like it's cleared up. I don't think they can reveal names of victims. I think they can say rule. There's like rules about that kind of thing. I think they can say if somebody who's in the public eye, because remember she's now in the public eye. She was on a TV show. She was, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. They can say whether the whether the investigation has concluded or not. They can say that someone has been shot and killed, even when the investigation is ongoing. I have a feeling it's a tactic because he's wanted. That they don't want him so to realize that nothing left for him. That he has no reason to come back. Because if he is, if he starts to move like he has no reason to come back for anything, they will definitely not catch him. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Maybe I've just watched too many um, shows and films like trying to catch people. <laughs> I've yeah. watched a lot of wanted stuff is what I'm trying to say. Um, okay, so Angela calls Philip Price and tells him to fire and ban Elliot from E Corp. She doesn't give him uh, her reasons and stresses that the request is at her discretion and he agrees to do it. Mr. Robot is in the other room when she's making this call and Angela comes out into the room and wants uh, Mr. Robot to stay there at the weekend. Mr. Robot is freaking out because Elliot saw Angela and Tyrell together. And at that moment, Angela gets a message from Irving who convinces, uh, who, sorry, who confirms that they'll be ready to go on Monday, much to Angela's confusion. I'm guessing Tyrell must have come through. So um, back to Elliot's place, Darlene has let herself in as she's not getting an answer from him and finds Flipper alone. And that is the end of episode four thoughts so i'm trying to remember this one actually to be honest because i because I, I like episode five had so much going for going on as well like it, it takes over my mind a little bit um yeah and again another really great episode like 100 really great episode it's just it's just slowly not slowly but it's like really really pushing and setting everything up um for like the stage like stage two just coming into place and like you kind of feel this real fear towards it now and just the interesting dynamic of mr robot actually being a separate character to elliot now is like one of my favorite aspects of the season yeah no, no no i agree i think that this is really the episode where mr robot is completely his own character i feel like there's been moments of it beforehand and especially in this season but this is the first episode where it's like, I don't know if it was just for me, but this is the first episode where I was looking at it like, oh, Elliot's not a factor in this at all. Mm. Like, if anything, they have made Elliot the background character, which made it, now that I'm saying that, it's very reminiscent of last season, towards the end of last season, I can't remember which episode it was. Do you remember that scene where um, Darlene and Cisco were arguing in the other room and Elliot was in the bathroom and then all of a sudden Mr. Robot is telling them to shut up, but Elliot mm. was still in the bathroom? Like, yeah, but that out-of-body experience where, like, Mr. Robot was taking control. Yeah, Mr. Robot was taking control and put Elliot to the background. And I feel like this season, and especially this episode so far, is really very much Elliot being the background character. It's now about Mr. Robot. At least this episode was. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, mm. to the point where somebody who's supposed to be someone who loves him, loves Elliot, purposefully injects him with whatever she injects him with to put him back in the background. 
like she wants Mr. Robot. Yeah, not like she, in a romantic she, way, not in a yeah. any of that kind of way, but just she doesn't want Elliot right now. She pushes Elliot back, which she I just had that good to him. go as well. Like she was ready to go with that stuff. Well, she's taking this whole managing him very mm. seriously. This little role she's been not little, but this role that she's been given, she's taking it very very seriously, which again makes me so curious as to what White Rose has shown her. Yeah, it, it's 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 building up towards like something like I'm liking this little mystery about whatever whatever she's been shown because mm-hmm. it, it's a cause that she's like believes deeply in, and I'd argue that she believes in that cause even more than Tyrell used to believe in Elliot. Mm. She is so focused and determined, and it seems like nothing. Even her shaking hand with the needle in it that the camera panned down to, which again, beautiful detail. It was just kind of showing her resolve, even though she hated that. Yeah. She didn't hesitate to do it. Yeah. Um, another detail as well, just to remember, obviously, like a few people have brought about stage two, um, people potentially getting hurt. Yeah. Um, Irvin tells Elliot that uh they've accommodated for an emergency evacuation of the building okay because angela brings that up in the next episode which we'll talk about yeah but she mentioned I it when they're talking the red wheelbarrow i didn't know that we had seen Irvin confirm that yeah he he very dismissively says yes okay so it's kind of in a like she asks and he's very much like yeah 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 like like, like in a way that doesn't feel 100 percent confident mm. Um, because that was just before she asks about if White Rose has shown Irving her plan. Whew, man, it's getting deep. It's getting intense, super intense. All right, let's let's get into it. The final episode of uh, this particular episode of the podcast, but obviously halfway through season three. Should we talk about episode five? Yes. The big one, the massive one. Um, I mean, massive for me because I haven't cheated watch the rest of it unlike some people <laughs> um okay so we open up with elliot in a lift and uh elliot is losing it he knows he's losing time he calls it a runtime error again referring to things that are happening to him in real life as uh, programming terms he um anyway once he's because he's in the he's in this uh, i was about to say elevator because american he's in this lift with a bunch of people that work at um e-corp obviously because it's an e-corp lift and someone speaking a foreign language which i thought was important i didn't write it down but it's just popped up into my head because i'm only just german i think he was speaking german was it german because people have a habit of speaking foreign languages to elliot and i need to know why (laughs) because now that joanna's dead i'll never know why she was speaking danish or whatever to him in season one or two yeah i'm i wasn't too sure about that scene either that was a really it was a really odd little moment. I feel like it means something because so much of this show means something, but I don't know what it means yet. So mm. I'm, I'm sure it will be revealed some point. So then we pan and we see that Angela is actually with him in the lift as well. And she's very much like, oh, are you okay? Is everything all right? I'm so innocent. Nothing's happening. Um, we find out it's Monday morning. 
So he goes to sit down next to, in his cubicle thing next to his inappropriate uh, colleague, Samar. Sorry to interrupt very quickly. A couple of, couple of details. While they're in the lift, news report. Yeah, I talk about it later because oh, okay. I come up what okay. happened. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Only because you just kind of get glimpse and glimpse and I just want to yeah, sum up yeah. what ended up happening. <laughs> also, when Elliot's phone rings while he's in the lift, right? Did oh, that yeah. did that vibration get to you as well? Because I like, I had my phone in my, hand my writing phone. notes, and I'm literally looking. I'm thinking. I'm thinking like, no, my table's definitely vibrating. Like something something is vibrating in this room. For some, even though it was on the TV just in front of me, like it felt like it was in the room. It really got to me that bit. <laughs> here's here's what's even trippier than that, right? I was watching the because I was literally just watching it before we started recording, right? Mm. I was watching it on my laptop, and I not I wasn't using my I've got a Bluetooth speaker. I wasn't using the speaker because the the sound was loud enough for me to hear. It, it wasn't super mm. loud, but it was fine. And I still thought it was my phone vibrating. And my laptop speakers aren't my laptop speakers are laptop speakers. They're not especially loud, yeah. which is why I have an extra speaker for when I'm watching something that's quiet. When I tell you, I thought it was my phone vibrating. And my phone wasn't even on a desk; it was on my bed, so it was on a like a yeah. soft surface, and, and I still thought it was my phone. I, d- I can't explain. So like I that, don't like know if they manipulated design. the sound or something. I don't know what what I don't know how they did that, but I they, thought it was my phone as well. They definitely made it more intense. Like it's definitely a lot louder than a phone vibrating in a pocket would ordinarily be. Yeah, like, it, it, it got to me. It it it. it not spooked me but like it it had me tricked for a second thinking it was my phone that i was literally writing the notes on yeah i I didn't even write that down but yeah that definitely happened to me as well yo what up i barely made it past those protesters this morning i mean the natives are getting restless this shit's crazy af right is it hey uh so i had a piece in tang this weekend you not gonna believe dude i was unlocking achievements saturday night that went all the way through to sunday morning i even impressed myself every morning starts like this graphic sex talk thankfully i'm able to tune most of it out when people talk like this they're either insecure or they're full of shame which one do you think it is i uh Sorry. Shit, that was meant for you. I'm really off today. Uh, I mean, Jesus, Elliot, I, um, you know what, man? Fuck you. I'm just trying to brighten up your day with my dope ass anecdotes, but if you don't appreciate it, I can just sit here in silence. Really? Is this gonna end up being a beautiful accident? No, no, I'm, I'm sorry, bro. I shouldn't have said that. Spoke too soon. I'm bigger than this, man, and in a way, what you just said actually helps me, because I've always wondered if people here thought I was just trying to get attention, but I was like, nah. I should have started the day off by asking what you did this weekend. He does raise a good question. What did I do this weekend? Instead, I'm always just rambling around some bullshit. But you know what? I'm going to drop some truth on you, dude. Since we're opening up here, I, uh, I've only ever gotten laid twice. Okay, actually it was one and a half times, but the first time it was, it was one of those high-end escorts, dude, a courtesan. 
I saw her at the Plaza Hotel, and actually she saw me. So, okay, so he's at his desk, and he goes to log into his computer, and his account is locked, so he calls for help and uses his uh, inappropriate colleague Samar's machine while he's on hold to see if he can figure out whether his hack has been found out. He finds out that the Dark Army tried to log in at 6am and that his patch stopped them. Samar, his colleague, says that HR is down the other end of the office with security and the operator comes back off hold and says that she can't restore his account. Sorry. He realises that he's the one that's about to be fired and asks Samar to cover for him as he runs off somewhere. As he's kind of escaping um, and Samar's holding off security... Uh, Elliot bumps into an executive who congratulated him on his suggestion to digitise something. It's not important what that was, but um, that she wanted to congratulate him on Friday, but he wasn't in. So that helps Elliot to realise that he doesn't actually remember anything that's happened after the party on Thursday, which means Friday, Saturday and mm. Sunday are gone. He tries to find out if Darlene followed him. But she's somewhere super loud. I didn't realise that she was outside when the protests were happening. I thought she was at some bar or something because it sounded so freaking loud over the phone. So did I, actually, yeah. I, my, my, in my head, I thought she was at a bar. And, and then I kind of realised just now, that was like 10 in the morning as well. Like, yeah, it doesn't least. really make sense, does it? But I just assumed she was at a bar because mm. it was so loud. It didn't sound like outside. Um, anyway, Elliot kind of runs up to the 23rd floor looking for some kind of network jack is what he said and an open space since it's monday morning all of the conference rooms are in use so he realizes that he needs to get someone off of their workstation or cubicle he uh pretends to be from it and thinks he's found the perfect patsy and this older woman turns out that this woman is super tech uh, super tech savvy she knows all of the terms and she's like no i definitely didn't do that but maybe that guy did it on his computer go check him Anyway, so he goes to this other person, manages to get him off their PC, and he figures out that it's... Um... So, okay, I don't know this colleague. I don't know if we were meant to know who this is, and I can't remember his name, and I didn't write it down. I think it was like a James or something like that. But he found out who the Dark Army is using in the system, like whose ID or whose credentials the Dark Army was using to kind of bypass some stuff in security. But as he figures this out um security are sort of coming down the hallway and he walks into a random meeting room and blags his way into staying long enough to avoid security that scene was very funny i love i love that very where, where very funny it's like overstaying the welcome it's a bit where he he goes oh, i'm 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 a floor below guys i'm a floor below and then he stands up to leave and he sits back down yeah because he <laughs> says wait, wait wait this is this is what did he say this is 45 I think it's 43 LC, 40, yes, 43 LC or something like that. And then he goes, oh, I meant to be at 44 LC or whatever he said. And then he stands up, see security is still outside, sits back down. And there's just this like 10 seconds of awkward silence of everyone being like, why the fuck has he just sat back down? <laughs> and then when he's telling him that he just needs to breathe, he can feel his attention, all this kind of stuff. I was like, what the fuck? Honestly, it was so funny to me. I don't know if it was meant to be funny, but it was hilarious to me. Yeah, this it, yeah. So that that scene just stood out. Also, one thing to point out: the so when he's on the staircase and they, they're coming in from the bottom of the stairs, his key card's not working anymore. Oh yeah, he gets that guy to open the door. I think that guy's talking about visiting his son, right? And there's just this one really funny moment where he just goes, "Oh come on, you're still bringing that up." It was one time I told him I hated him, just about his son. <laughs> oh my god, I did not hear that. That's so funny. 
That's very funny. Sorry, just taking a quick sip. Okay. So, um, yeah, so he comes out of this meeting room when he sees there's a gap, like, you know, the, the security people have moved along. And um, but then they come along and they kind of yell, you know, Mr. Alderson, Mr. Alderson. And he, he uh, manages to escape them in the hallway and gets into a lift. And a fake Mr. Robot shows up to talk to him. Uh, there was a point where, you know, Elliot was telling us that these are the moments where he wishes uh, he could talk at least. No, not that he wishes that Mr. Robot was there, but that when Mr. Robot used to turn up, he used to actually just talk to him. And he misses that kind of talking to someone. Mm. Um, and at that moment, Mr. Robot appears, but it's not the Mr. Robot that we know. And he even calls him like he even says, you're not really him. So I'm going to refer to him as the fake Mr. Robot just for ease of understanding mr. Fobot. hey mr Fobot. okay yeah. i'm gonna call him mr Fobot. so mr Fobot helps him to kind of process what's going on and kind of helps elliot just kind of work through his shit and he realizes that he needs to get the people out and focus on that rather than trying to stop the bomb happening itself because it's just too late now so when he gets outside there's a massive protest happening and he makes a call to the uh what is it the, what facility is it some kind of facility research facility no something facility not too sure What's the no. building whatever the building is that they're trying to blow up with all the stuff in it it's it's the it's the records building i remember that much it's it's just a facility recovery where the people facility? What recovery facility i think it's recovery, recovery facility. okay yeah it's, it's just where they're keeping all the paper stuff i remember that much remember okay that? yeah i know that they were keeping files there but i can't remember what they kept calling it but i think it is it's a recovery facility sounds right let's go with that if it's not right it's fine um so yeah so he makes a call and he's trying to basically call in a bomb threat and he's saying look he tries to say what's actually going to happen like oh there's a certain amount of oxygen that's going to hit the hydrogen and the woman's like what <laughs> she's just like in the end he's just like there's a bomb about to go off can you get everyone out please basically and uh, he's telling her you know you need to evacuate blah 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 so then Darlene shows up when he gets off the phone and that's why I realised that that's why in that moment it was so loud and that she wasn't at a bar she was just literally stood outside mm. and Darlene confesses that she's been working with the FBI Elliot remembers seeing Angela and Mr Robot as Darlene mentions hey by the way I did follow you the other night and you it was Mr Robot that met up with Angela and Angela knew it was Mr Robot and not you so Darlene says that Angela has been betraying him and he says so have you which was really sad actually I really felt for him in that moment so the protest turns violent and anarchists break into ECOP because I want to make sure that I separate the two especially when we're talking about protests because those are not the same protesters don't tend to break into buildings and do all that kind of stuff. Those are anarchists. Anarchists just happen to be at protests with protesters. I really hate the villain villainization. Is that a word? Making it up. I'm hating the villainization of protesters. I hate it. It's horrible. So I'm going to refer to them as anarchists because that's what they were. Um, so I made a point to write that the lift shots in this episode were perfect in this moment because we get this scene where we have, I think it's either four or five, it's five, five, I'm trying to remember the formation in the lift, I think it's five, five, one, two, no, it's four. Four anarchists go into the lift with uh, a poor member of staff who just happens to be in the lift at the time. And they basically grab his key card to give them, give them access to go up in the lift. And 
they have this moment where they're standing in the lift and it's very reminiscent of when Elliot was in the lift at the start of the episode with Angela and two other people or three other people. I don't know. The numbers are doing my head in at the minute, but it was just, it looked very cool is all I'm trying to say. I'm trying to make it sound more clever than I need to. It looked cool is all I'm saying. So Angela is trapped in her office while on the phone with Irvin. And it turns out that the anarchists tearing all the shit up in the, uh, in the e-corp offices are actually the dark army's distraction, according to Irvin. And, um, Angela starts to follow the fixer's instructions to initiate the next stage. So, um, again, she gets into a lift to get another lift scene, but this time it's just her and a security guard and she's got this package that had been left for her by the Dark Army that is what she needs to, well, actually what Elliot needs to initiate the next stage, but she's just decided she's going to do it because she says later that it's because she couldn't find Elliot, but she didn't even try to look for him, did she? She just said yeah, she was going to do it. Yeah, I don't really, I don't know if it's maybe she just didn't trust him or because, obviously, well, at that point he should have been kicked out of the building anyway, shouldn't he? That's true. She organised for him to be kicked out of the building. I'm guessing then that the Dark Army didn't know that she did that. She did that all by herself. That explains why she wouldn't go look for him and she would just do the task herself. Mm. Which is, hmm, that's interesting. Um, anyway, yeah, so she's in the lift with a security guard who's getting more and more kind of, um, I want to say, suspicious of her suspicious but not enough to act upon it yeah not enough he hasn't got anything yet because we then pan to the tv screen that's in the lift now as you mentioned earlier every time people are in the lift some kind of news is happening on the screen on the on the tv screen and it's a news on china's uh wish to annex the congo and the fact that they need the un votes to do so um so the first time when they're talking about it they're literally just telling they're just reporting on the fact that it's the UN vote that day. The second time, I believe, is when they clarify which countries are the superpowers that all need to be in agreement in order for China to be able to annex the Congo. And then the third time, which is this time with uh, Angelo and the security guard, we get confirmation that the UN have voted to allow China to annex the Congo. Hmm. Um, and then there's another time that, that comes on the screen, but I'll talk about that when we get there. So, yeah, so that's happening. And just as that happens, just as that's been announced and we find out that, that China has been given the go ahead, uh, there's a bit of a blackout or something happens where the lift kind of goes into emergency mode and kind of shakes things up a little bit. And one of the things that's in the, um, the envelope, the big envelope that Angela's carrying is a, a pass belonging to somebody that has extra... What's the word? Um, I think it's more, I think he's got like, yeah, I think he's got more security clearances than Angela has. Than Angela has, yeah. I think it's like most people have. fake ID with Elliot's picture on it, I'm pretty sure. Like it's for a... Oh, did it have Elliot's picture on it? Oh, that makes sense. I too. think so, yeah, because it, it was ID that Elliot was meant to use to get into the room. That makes sense. Okay, so they'd already made a fake ID for him. Okay, cool. So that falls out of the envelope that she's carrying and the security guard picks it up and looks at it and then she kind of on the flyer says, oh, uh, this is my colleague, so that's why I'm trying to go to the 23rd floor because I need to give I need to give my colleague this. He left it in a meeting room. And uh, the security guard at this point just doesn't believe her and says, right, you're coming with me, basically. They get to the 23rd floor and, um, wait, I've lost, I've just totally lost where I was reading from. 
oh okay so as they walk as they walk out into the hallway she sees a bunch of anarchists um kind of you know spray painting and doing whatever else they're doing and she kind of calls and says hey over here and they just attack the security guard so that she then escapes and carries on with the instructions that she'd been given earlier on the phone there's this really stunning shot which we spoke about before we went live nathan um of her in this room that she's supposed to be in doing something with the servers carrying out the instructions i don't know what was going on but the camera is like there's this like incredible aerial shot where it looks like they'd basically taken the roof and the remaining floors off the building and they were shooting above Angela's head and then they kind mm. of pan out and you can see outside of the building all the way down because obviously they're on the 23rd floor all the way down to where mayhem and chaos is happening on the street level yeah it just cranes across shot the whole was thing incredible because mm. I know I just know I don't even know the first thing about <laughs> filming shit like that but I know that that took a lot of effort because it was some kind of double aerial cgi combo shot thing that friggin happened there that was incredible just kind of for a tv show it felt mm. it was giving very like big budget movie mm. <laughs> i don't know if that's just me guessing but... if i if i had to break it down i would probably say that they've just got a normal set and they're just filming from above it because they're being quite open about like all the little set dressings between each like wall and everything so like they don't Ooh, need yeah, but that's what I mean. that they would have had to do an aerial shot of or an above the head shot on this set. Mm. They would have probably then had to do an aerial shot off the side of a building. Mm. And then they would have had to somehow CGI to make it look like the camera, the same camera was panning from Angela to Mm. outside because there was no break. Mm. It's my friend of mine used to do um, like VFX artist work in uh, uni yeah and like it's it's compositing so it's like when you kind of like take a shot from one thing and kind of blend it into the scene but you have to make sure it matches all the movement and everything it's such a difficult thing to get right it's honestly it's like for the for this show like they like just the whole design philosophy of this show is incredible just how like they've just got such an aesthetic to it it's it's amazing now I've learned a new term. I'm going to sound so clever <laughs> if I can ref- if I can uh, make sure I retain it. Compositing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So like, um, they've seen like Mad Max Fury Road. A lot of things they do on there, compositing. Like any blow, any cars that are exploding, they film that car exploding on a different set of road, and they just go on the footage, cut around everything, and put it into the final film. Talent, man. Crazy it's, talent. It's more patience than I have. Oh, more I patience than I could have. ever have. I don't think I could ever do anything like that. Sometimes I watch people just editing, and like you know, when you can see those like sped up shots of people doing mm. Photoshop work. Like there's certain things that people are doing that clearly took hours, and I'm like, there's there's no way in hell. There is no way in hell I would do any. I couldn't. I'm just not that way inclined. Honestly, I hate any form of video editing because like most of the time I've got like my screen split where I've got. Whatever design thing I'm doing on one side, I've just got YouTube open on the other. If I can't, if I hate video editing because I can't do that, because I have to watch what I'm also doing at the same time, and it's like it's why video editing takes me ages to do. Like like any kind of photo edit, I'm just like, all right, that on, that's my distraction done. <laughs> Man, the talent there is insane, absolutely insane. But that shot was absolutely stunning, beautiful shot. Um, 
with the with just to interrupt it again, it's like with, yes. with this episode because of the fact of how it's it's been done to like one continuous shot the whole time. But obviously, you can tell it's not because they have like these moments where you can you can easily cut. It's like a lot of these one, like a lot of shows that do any kind of like long take scene, they'll have moments where they could easily cut in case they mess up. It's like um, Daredevil's a good example, the Netflix version. Mm-hmm. Um, that first, is it first or second episode, they have like the really long fight scene in the hallway. Oh, yeah. So they did it all in one take, but they've got a lot of moments where they kind of focus on one thing where they could, they set up moments where they could cut if they needed to. So, like, it, it takes a lot of, like, because obviously you've got to go from, like, one scene to the other. This is just a bunch of scenes put together. But obviously they've had to be thought out and planned out so that each one blends properly into the next. There's, like, any time, like, the camera goes near a glass window, that's just a cut with, like, a CGI glass window for mm-hmm. them to just go through and then they just cut to the next next area of the set they're filming on. Like it, it takes a little bit of the immersion out of it because whenever I watch these long takes, I always watch for that kind of thing. Yeah, because it's just it's just how because it's it doesn't take away from anything because you still got to plan everything out, every single scene of it out, every single movement of it out. But it's just it's, it's such a well designed, well made episode all in all. I would definitely say watch it again with the knowledge that it's a one take. <laughs> Yeah, I think I will, you know, because I'm going to watch the rest anyway, just so that we can get this um, recorded it's, for next it took week. Me a, but... It took me a bit, because I, I was watching partway through and I thought, I was trying to remember what it was. There, there was one episode where they did something different. And I, in my head, I thought it's a completely silent episode for some reason. And then partway into this one, I remember there being a couple of shots where I went, oh, it's this one. It's all one take. Like, I didn't quite remember it. Like, I knew something like that was coming up, but I, I couldn't remember. I, like, didn't quite realise at first. Yeah, I might have to give it... I might have to give mm. it a rewatch with the fresh eyes now. Um, yeah, like, so much was happening. So it, much was happening in this one. Because yeah. it serves the story well, because the whole thing has to run in real time. And it, like it's difficult to kind of move the plot along. They still manage to with this. Like they managed to get those key, like quite a key scene, and make the most of it. Mm-hmm. Um. So Angela has executed the plan, and she managed to escape unscathed by wearing the F Society mask and hoodie of a guy who had got pepper sprayed earlier by somebody called Lydia Riley, who was a woman who had seen Angela in the room on the 23rd floor just before she went in and did what she needed Mm. to do. Um, I hadn't written anything about her ahead of time because I just thought, eh, it's not really a big deal. But when Angela was on the phone, she gave Irving her name. So I thought, you know what, let me write that down just in case something happens (laughs) that I need to remember Lydia Riley about. But um, yeah, so she's on the phone with Irving in the lift and asks whether Irving could make sure that the people in the recovery centre... Oh, it's the recovery centre, not facility. Okay. Here we go. We got there in the end. (laughs) People in the recovery centre were evacuated. So at this point, the TV in the lift shows... This is the fourth time we see the TV in this episode. And it shows a right-wing talking head. What's his name again? Frank Cody. Frank Cody. 
Uh, he's now on the news with the woman who's been reporting on China's annexing of the Congo. And he's saying that, look, there's this increase in power now with the annexation of Congo. And this is the reason why the US needs Trump. So doing a well, a good job. Jung's, you know, Jung's doing money his isn't job. going to doing his job. So um, she hands off something, Angela, that is, she hands off something to a Dark Army guy who's waiting. My, fa- my favourite Dark Army member, the Sandwich Man, as I call him. You call him Sandwich Man. He is still, he's eating as well, which I, I enjoy. He, sh- he shows up so much. It's, just, it's such a, it's for a person who never has any lines, it's such a really interesting little character quirk to give him that you all, because it's such, it's such a small thing, but like, you know, it's him every time. That's the main mm. thing. Yeah, he's chilling as well. He's, he does yeah. good facial expressions, and they're eating a sandwich. It's cool. His hat is cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so she hands something off to him, and uh, as she's kind of walking off in a state of panic and probably a little bit of regret, I'm guessing, uh, she runs into Elliot, who asks if there's something that she wants to tell him. Mm. And that is how the wonderful episode five ends. So, Nathan thoughts on episode five so as, as i just gushed about being like a one take thing i'm just going to be repeating myself on that to be honest <laughs> it, it is honestly it's just such it's such a well put together episode from like a technical standpoint like it's just they they like they hit out of the park with in that regard um but it just just it, it's difficult to have an episode that goes for being technically great whilst also serving the plot like sometimes it's difficult to do that but like with like the small reveals we get like Darlene admitting about the FBI thing Elliot learning about what Angela's up to the little confrontation at the end Angela kind of like being competent enough to hack that she managed to do the exact thing Elliot was meant to do like that's that seemed that felt a bit overlooked when I watched it there's no kind of fanfare to that like she's the one hack where she's meant to have been like just talked through it over her headset and now she's just done this with no issue. So like she's she's definitely developed into a into she's de- she's developed anyway into like into a bit more competent in that way. But it's just from start to finish, this one it's really engrossing. I, I got to a point where I said I wrote down a note saying like I can't I can't watch it and make notes at the same time. <laughs> I was just like, I'm just going to have to do cliff notes of the important plot bits because the whole thing just enthralled me the whole way through. Like, it was just exciting. And then obviously, like, knowing the kind of technical side of things they were going for, like, it just makes it all that more impressive. Like, it's a good experiment for the try and I like the show. Like, they're not afraid of taking risks with what they kind of do on the show. I might actually have to go and, and <laughs> watch episode because this time I won't be making notes either. So I can mm. just watch it. I think I'll watch it back. Yeah, it's worth a rewatch just to kind of, just to see from like that technical point of view. Like it's, it's honestly like really impressive. Like even with like the use of CG for some of it, you know, it's like some shows will do will do like this kind of long take idea and they they do it properly they do like a full-on uninterrupted like take of everything like even with the limitations they had they still 
they made it serve the plot really well. Mm. I think I'm just talking out my ass sometimes when I say words. <laughs> do you know what it is? I actually know. I don't think you do. I think you make a lot of sense. It's just that I'm always now thinking, oh man, I want to rewatch it. Like that's all I think because I'm like, I'm sure I've missed like mm. <laughs> I've just missed certain things. Certain things just went over my head. Yeah, but I I love the like. There's just that ending. Just like how how assertive Elliot is. He's just like, if you got anything you want to tell me. Yeah, it was that right. was. I love how he delivered that. That that's like is it's a kind of out of character Elliot moment where he's kind of it's like a it's it feels like a Mr. Robot thing, kind of if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like the way Mr. Robot would address it. That is true, actually. It is it very kind of much shows, how Mr. Robot yeah, would say it. it. Kind of shows the depth to which he's he's gone. He like how betrayed he must feel by it well um <laughs> since you cheated and watch uh episode six already which i will re-watch because i mean it's just a really good episode anyway to be fair i'm gonna re-watch five then i'm yeah. gonna watch uh six to ten and then we're gonna we're gonna do this again next week wednesday yes. are you down yes perfect all right well thank you listeners um as always uh, thank you so much for listening and is there anything you would like to promote nathan before we go um just as always my twitter nathan's jones and my design instagram nayfunk n-a-y-f-u-n-k do just quality designs and things on there and i promise i've said this every time i will eventually update it and upload more stuff but i haven't updated it in probably about five months so nice consistent in not oh yeah 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 like if there's one thing to say about me it's that like i'm consistent in that i don't do much nice and i stick by that love that for you <laughs> definitely love that for you um well for me it's always the same guys please for the for the love of god go on itunes rate us five stars if you haven't already please um it just gets more people listening and you know they might not like a mr robot episode but they might like another one that we've done so you know let give people a chance to find it you know what i mean um at pot of mercy on twitter and instagram if you want to find out what's going on with the show who's up next and i will see you next week bye